1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 31, seasonal depression. Are you ready to do this? So here's the deal. I told some of you this week, we were going to hear from a functional healthcare practitioner and she is real and we are going to hear from her and she's pregnant with her third (laughs) and is very tired. So she's doing it next week. (laughs) I'm sure you can all understand (laughs) who better than us, right? Okay, so seasonal depression. The reason I wanted to talk about this was because I shared my story on Instagram. So if you're new here, hello, I'm at Lizzie Langston on Instagram and, um, I share lots of stuff there (laughs) and I share my coach tips and expertise and also my humanness at times. I think it's good to get a little bit of both. So I shared how I was feeling some seasonal depressiveness and we're going to talk today about the strategies that I used to kind of get through that, but um, mostly the reason I wanted to talk about it here was because of how different this depressiveness was to me now that I have been through postpartum depression versus um, maybe where some of you are, where it's my f- it was my first time ever right after baby number two feeling depressiveness in my entire life. And so I didn't recognize it. So this isn't just going to be for those of you who have actually had seasonal depression, although it will be great for that. But if you're struggling postpartum, this will be helpful for sure, because depression is depression, (laughs) whether it's because of baby or because of the weather outside. Okay. So this will be helpful for both scenarios. And real quick, I just want to clarify when I say depressiveness, I like to say that. I don't know why I like to say depressiveness instead of depression. I think depression it's like a diagnosis, whereas depressiveness is more focused just on the way you're acting and the symptoms, um, which is where I like to stay focused. So, speaking of though, you know when I say depressiveness, I'm talking about just symptoms and behaviors. So, that's actually where we're going to start on this uh, topic. We're going to talk about what seasonal depression. Is including the symptoms, and really, I'm gonna just tell you like, spoiler alert <laughs> um, it's basically the same stuff with regular depression or postpartum depression, except that it's focused around the weather and it happens at a certain time of year, just like postpartum depression happens at a certain time after baby you know, between one and 12 months. Or frankly, I think it's more like one in two years (laughs) postpartum. So, um, but I think it's so important for you guys to hear the symptoms, please like don't skip through that. Don't fast forward because that is going to be a game changer. If you can figure out that this might be something you're going through and identify some of these things in yourselves, whether it's postpartum or seasonal. Okay. Then we're going to talk about why it happens specific to seasonal depression Um, But again, there are so many parallels there with postpartum, so definitely tune in for that. And then the best part, obviously, the strategies, (laughs) and you might be surprised what one of the main strategies is. And then I'm going to share a bit of my experience kind of throughout as well with seasonal depression and just, I'm getting so good, you guys, I'm getting so good at like experiencing depressiveness um, and not that it happens all the time, but it happened just for like about ten days because we had a seven day snowstorm, and I'll tell you more about this later. Um, so I wasn't anticipating that at all. Uh, I've never experienced seasonal depression. and so uh but this is my this is my second winter in Denver, and um anyway, yeah, so it was interesting, again, how different my experience was with depressive symptoms as I was so clear on managing my mind around it. And even from day two, three, four of the depressive symptoms that I could notice all the way to days eight, nine, and 10, it was very different. My experience of it because of how I gained control of my thoughts about it. So I'm so excited that this happened. Like I was telling one of my clients was like, I hope everything's okay. I was like, oh girl, this was Amazing. Like I was able to see exactly where I stand with depressiveness. And I'm so grateful because I want to have another baby, you guys. I would like to have another baby at some point. And I've always kind of been like, Whew, <laughs> like, what's that gonna be like? Like, you know, I get scared sometimes just because my last baby after my third, I had legit postpartum depression, and for most of the struggle with it, I knew what it was, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I was trying a bunch of things. Whereas with the first time I had postpartum depression after my second, I didn't know what it was. So it was a whole different kind of struggle. So, um, the second time I knew what it was, but I didn't know how to manage my mind around it. And I was also still trying like postpartum de- or antidepressants and like different things. Whereas this time with this little seasonal depression episode, I, I, uh, figured out what it was and I knew exactly what to do with my mind. And so, can't wait to share with you like how it went. Okay, so that's the deal. We're going to end with strategies, and um, I've got some good stuff in the show notes for you today because I'm I'm giving you some good resources. So definitely, if you hear anything that you're interested in, everything's going to be down in the show notes. All right. So what is seasonal depression? I'm so excited. Okay, so it's actually called seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, kind of. <laughs> so. Um, most of this stuff that I got today is just from uh, a link that I'll have in the show notes. It's just a helpguide.org, Okay. But I looked at a few websites and it's all pretty much the same. So depression, it's depression that specifically occurs at the same time each year. And like I said, is weather related. So it's going to affect your mood, your sleep, your appetite. By the way, it might not affect all of these for every person. It might just be a couple of these and it might be things outside of these too. So Mood, sleep, appetite, energy, relationships, social life, work, school, and sense of self worth. And then one thing I noticed as I was reading up on this, you guys, that I thought was really interesting is that um, three out of four people that experience seasonal depression are women. It's more common, quite more common, for women. Um, and about overall, it's one per- one to two percent of the population. So especially young people. So we are kind of younger and we are women. So there you go. (laughs) We're more at risk. Um, okay. So I want to just explain to you how it feels for me. Just give you some examples because that might help you refer to what's going on for you a little bit more accurately. And again, I think it's so helpful to be like, Oh yeah, this is happening for me. If you don't already know that. Or if it happens at all in the future, it would be helpful to know too, right? It says on, on the internet, it was saying it's, it's more common when you're 18 years old to 30 years old, but I'm 30 and I just experienced seasonal depression for the first time as a 30 year old. So, you know, and I don't know if it'll come back next year or not, but I just wanted you to be aware of that, um, So yeah. Okay. So for me, what this looks like, um, I'm going to read through like the specific symptoms and tell you. So, um, that's so interesting. Unexplained aches and pains. I'm not sure if I've had that one. I mean, I do, I have had some pain in my hands this last week, but I tend to believe that's just from the children (laughs) or I did accidentally eat three pieces of gluten bread and I'm off completely off of gluten and I'm gluten intolerant. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you heard me talk about that in my stories. It was such a sad thing. Uh, just cause my New Year's resolution was to not eat gluten all year. And of course, like I didn't mean to, so I think it still counts, but it was a bummer. Cause I felt all of the nasty symptoms that I usually do when I eat gluten and didn't know why they were there. And then I figured it out. Um, anyway, so unexplained aches and pains, I'm not quite sure if I have felt that, but it's possible that it's related to depression. Okay. This is probably the biggest, this is how I know this is usually where I catch my depression just because of how many times I've had depressiveness, which is feeling angry, irritable, stressed, and or anxious towards my children. It's always towards my children. Like I don't notice it until I'm snapping at them. I'm wanting to hit them really badly. (laughs) I I get them. I I just want to like get away from them. Um, these are ways that I know that something's up. And you know, if this happens like a teeny minute a day, but when it gets progressively worse through the day, and then also it starts happening earlier and earlier, like when you wake up irritable, hi, it's depression. Like, I mean, it's possible that you could be sleep deprived. It's possible that it could be your time of the month, but I'm talking about not just irritable, but like ragey, like some rage. Okay. Like zero patience from the get go. And it gets worse throughout the day. And you're just trying to find ways to distract your kids or distract yourself because it's so bad. So you guys, that isn't normal. Um, And that could very easily be postpartum or seasonal depression. And that is depressiveness. So come talk to me, talk to your doctor, really go talk to him first too. Um, okay. And changes in sleeping pattern. Uh, this one, I don't have a change in sleeping pattern, but sometimes I just have a hard time falling asleep. Um, I do notice that my kids struggle with their sleeping schedules in the winter time, which affects me as well difficulty concentrating. Okay, this one is so interesting, but it's so real. So, when I'm in this depressiveness, it was so funny cuz this time around, I, you know, I I recognized it early into it, and I actually took my kids to childcare um about day 4 because I was just getting very ragey and I could tell that I needed a break and some space and I didn't want that for them either. So, I took them to their cute little favorite Um, drop-in place. And later, I think that evening, I wanted some things from the grocery store and didn't want to go get get them because you just don't feel like going out at all. But my husband couldn't, but he was home. And so um, he was like, well, here, let's make a list and then go, yeah, just go get them. And I could not, you guys, for the life of me, I like, started wandering the house, looking for my keys. And then I'd be like, wait, what am I looking for? (laughs) It sounds so funny, but this is totally part of depression for me. Um, is this difficulty concentrating on a single task? And like, I'd kind of get distracted, but not in a productive way. It's not like I would get distracted and take out the trash or scrub a spot on the counter. No, it was like, I would just kind of see a paper and start reading it and then be like, okay, wait, what was I looking for again? (laughs) And it takes me maybe 15 minutes to like do what usually would take me one minute where I'd go grab my keys, grab my wallet. Do I have everything? Okay. And I'm out. (laughs) But now I'm wandering the house and then I'm like, Hey boy, I really don't want to go, you know? And then I'm like, Oh, I'm hungry. Should I eat? No, I'll just go to the store. Just like so fascinating. (laughs) the decisions are all over the board. Okay. Reduced sex drive is always a thing. And I don't always notice it until it's been over a week. <laughs> so that is something now, maybe that's normal for some of you guys right, to go like one or two weeks without, but for me, I wouldn't say that is. And so at about the week point, I'm like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> I'm not even interested at all. <laughs> Um, and like, I don't even feel like connecting with my husband, even just verbally, like talking. So that's not normal for me either. Um,
0: lucky land casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky. that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary for avoid prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
1: okay another way that i typically can know that i'm depressed this also though okay so it's food right it's buffering or just using food to kind of have a a pillow for my emotions um this does happen for me like i already know this and i give grace with myself if i'm feeling overwhelmed it's still something i'm working on like i don't want it to be like this forever, but it's also like, oh, okay. Like when I started homeschooling from full-time school and full-time, almost full-time work to then kids home all the time, Voxer coaching, homeschooling, um, which by the way, isn't why I decided to do Voxer coaching, but it ended up all working out beautifully. But, um, when I first started that I was noticing a few days in and for a couple weeks, like food was a way that I was getting through the overwhelm, But specifically in depression, like food and I have more of a needy relationship. So, um, and, and I don't, you know, it's funny, like it's in the symptom readout with depression, but really I think that's totally fixable, but I think, I do think it's so common that it might as well be a symptom, which is that people who are feeling negative feelings (laughs) use food to not feel those feelings. So that could definitely be a wake up call to you too. Um, not wanting to go out. So when it talks about affecting your social life, totally not wanting to go out. I actually, I was so embarrassed you guys. And, and again, that's my thoughts about my depressiveness versus just in it. Um, and I, I, w- I just chose to be embarrassed. And I also don't think I would as much next time, but part of me being so like, caught off guard, like, Oh, this is, Whoa, I guess this is seasonal depression. I didn't realize that that's a thing that I experienced, um, was not wanting to go out. And I actually didn't like, I didn't know that I was going to feel depressive that day. I kind of was expecting it to be gone already. It had been like four or five days, but this lasted for more about eight or nine. And, and so I made friends with, or I made plans with a friend in the afternoon, actually two friends, to go and play out in the snow after school, after their kids got out of school because mine are homeschooled. And, um, the time came you guys. And I was like in no, no form to get outside at all. Zero, zero. It, It was crazy. It was like my bones and my body just felt heavy and there was zero, like nothing in my brain and or body that could get me to get up and like get the kids snow stuff on and go out. When my, when I knew my husband was coming home, I finally did. And I had also watched the Taylor Swift documentary for like an hour and a half. So it was about time to get up. But, um, yeah, it just took me a while to get up the, the get up and go and the courage to like be in a social situation, not courage. Like I was scared, but like, I knew that I wasn't normal. So, um, to actually get out there. So that's kind of another example of how it looks. I'm so excited to share with you though, um, the way I thought about this depressiveness and how much that changed the experience. Okay. So why does it happen? We're going to go through this pretty quickly, but it might be of interest. So I didn't know this, but the light is different in the fall and winter. Okay. So starting September 21st, all the way through March 21st, more or less the light that we are getting on earth is different, both in its spectrum. And as you know, the length of the days, and that's quite a bit of change. And so our body and our circadian rhythms are affected. Like literally it does make a difference. Um, and for some of us, it shows up with these depressive symptoms and for others, it doesn't. So number two, melatonin production changes. So again, because of the shorter days and longer nights, what happens is we're producing more melatonin than the rest of the year because melatonin is the sleep hormone and it is produced when it gets dark outside. When it starts to get dark, sun's going down, um, our body produces melatonin to help us relax and sleep. And so sometimes there's an excess of that in the winter time. And then number three is less serotonin. The reason this happens is because there's, since there's less sun sunlight, again, Um, there's less serotonin in our brains. Serotonin is a hormone that helps regulate mood. And so we're going to get possibly less of that in the winter. And then this is something that is not on the internet, but is my thought as a coach is also the way we think about the seasons. Generally, I teach that circumstances are neutral and they are. The seasons are a great example of a pure neutral circumstance that we can wrap our brain around, right? Sometimes this concept that circumstances or people, place, things, sounds, um, words said to us outside of ourselves are not capable of making us feel things. I think most people would agree with that. They're like, oh yeah, like we, we create our experience of them. And yet sometimes people want to fight this a little bit and be like, no, like, like killing people is just bad. For example, and it's like, oh, I believe it's bad for sure too. But obviously, there are some people who don't believe that because they do it regularly, um, or maybe they do believe it's bad, but they they also like it. And like you and I don't like it, right? And so, like even though it's it's it protects us to think that it's bad, and it we like to think that it's bad, like right, homicide or things like that it's also still a neutral circumstance because there are people on this planet that don't think that (laughs) scary enough. Right. Um, so going back to seasonal depression and the weather, (laughs) a little lighter (laughs) concept here. Um, hopefully that makes sense to you though. We are sent a lot of messages or, um, collectively we tend to think certain things about the weather. Not everybody thinks the same things, but for example, I grew up in Nevada and Arizona. Okay. So I Grew up really looking forward to spring and summer and loving them because it meant more time in the pool than ever. And I loved the pool. Okay. Whereas somebody who maybe grew up in the Northeast didn't learn to swim till they were older and might not think swimming is the jam like I do and might visit Arizona or Nevada in the summer and be totally turned off, be like, this is ridiculously hot. I can't even stand this. Like, who lives here? <laughs> See, so you learn to adapt and it's just your experience of the extreme temperatures either way is different based on where you live, based on what like you were taught. I think people in different areas with different weather patterns collectively think different things about those weather patterns as a way to survive. So when you take someone like me, who was raised in the desert and you put her in Colorado <laughs> in her thirties, um, yeah, seasonal depression is the thing that could happen. And while I understand that there's the circadian rhythms and things, I also am going to fess up here that I have some thoughts that don't serve me about cold weather, specifically in February after, um, so in Colorado, the snow, like December and November are not as snowy at all as the end of January and February and March. So fascinating learning this, but, um, you know, we get spoiled with this beautiful, sunny, clear winter, uh, December and January. And then February, it starts dumping. And we have these gray snowstorms for a few days at a time. Now, once the snow is gone, it's sunny. But what's interesting is I tend to take on, and I want to notice if you find this with yourself too, if the snow in the winter is a thing for you, I tend to have this thought, like, we'll just wait for this to pass. And frankly, In some cases, you really should wait for it to pass, but there's a lot of the snowiness that other people feel comfortable getting out and playing in it or driving in it. And I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'll wait till it's nice and sunny outside. That's how I like it. And so that's my own doing though, right? I could work on my thoughts about that and enjoy the snow more while it's there, but I tend to resist it. And that resistance backfires and I find myself inside for too long. I find myself resenting the snow because I attribute the snow as the reason I can't go outside, which isn't true at all. Right. Um, but this was, and this is all what I've been learning. This has been my work here with the seasonal depression. So again, I'm glad to share it with you guys. Hopefully it'll help. Um, and so I do think that, uh, part of why seasonal depression is possible is as well, the way that we're thinking about, the fall and winter, especially, I mean, let's be honest, it's really the winter and the school. (laughs) Another thought I have about it is the dog is so hyper, you know, and we have a treadmill, so I like to hook him up to the treadmill, but it's just not the same as him running for an hour and a half outside. And he does go outside on his own sometimes, but that's another thing for me that goes through my thoughts. Um, My children, after we've been inside for a few days, I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. we all need to get out, but it's still snowing outside. And I don't like driving in the snow and I don't want to play in the snow because it's cold. You know, whereas some other moms might be like, all right, let's gear up. Let's go outside. Um, and I'm getting better at that. But if you're like me on that, it could be something that is, um, causing like the winter is feeling restrictive to you or you're resenting it or you don't like it because of your thoughts, you know, totally separate from the circadian rhythms and the hormones and all of that. So be aware of what your thoughts are. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. Okay. Now into the strategies, friends, let's get some help for us. Okay. The first thing, this is what I think might surprise you get more familiar with the symptoms. So if you are in postpartum or sorry, well, postpartum, yes, but also seasonal depression, (laughs) you like how I'm always talking to postpartum moms, So, you know, slips out here there, but it's true. Like these are, these kind of coincide. They're like they, you could flip them back and forth. So either way, whether it's postpartum or seasonal or a little bit of both dang. Um, the first thing you're, I'm going to tell you to do is like, look up the symptoms or review this podcast, you know, listen to them again, whatever Take some notes, put them up somewhere you, where you can see them. And when you start to, um, draw awareness that something's off, which might happen at random times. Um, and it's more likely to happen if you're already familiar with the symptoms, then you'll be able to just see them and know what's happening. And that is, I I don't want you to underestimate how powerful that is when you're in it, because it changes the way that you approach getting help, um, how much help you seek, how often you seek it. And that's huge, right? For me, when I was able to notice what was going on with the rage specifically, the anger, I was immediately like, okay, that's what this is. This is this must be seasonal depression because I'm not depressed for any other reason and it's so random, right? And but it is it has been snowing for like at that time it had been snowing for 3 days straight is when it started and then all the way for 7 days of snowstorms. And so um yeah, so I was able to take action because I knew the symptoms and I was able to identify them. Otherwise, Your quality of life and your quality of motherhood starts to go down, and the 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 reason, like I want to say something about this, is because your brain will eat that stuff alive, man. Like if you are starting to treat your kids crappier, especially, I know you guys, that's a very that's a subject where your brain wants to chatter to you a lot and tear you down. So not only is your depressiveness not getting any better, but your mental talk to yourself about what you don't even know is depressiveness is going to eat at you and really wear you down. And then the depressiveness can get worse and you still don't know what's going on and you don't know why. And you're just thinking you're the worst person ever. This is where I try to catch my now clients and potential clients. All of you guys, I want to catch you at this place where you are just coming into awareness that this might be depression, but you are really worn down from talking to yourself really mean and being just so upset about how you're treating your kids is usually how we first start to recognize it. So sad how we don't start to recognize it in the way we talk to ourselves, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, this is, this is so important. You've got to know what the symptoms are. Okay. I'm going to wrap this point up by also just drawing the analogy. You've all heard about this, right? A frog that's slowly boiling in water doesn't jump out, right? versus a frog that knows and can identify and feel because it knows what regular water feels like. And it knows what extreme boiling water feels like. will jump right out. It's going to go hop out and get some help. (laughs) Right? So, um, When you are not aware of the symptoms, you are so likely to be like a frog boiling slowly and there's so much suffering that can come there. Um, And then when you finally do recognize what's going on, this is totally what happened with me, by the way, with my first round of postpartum depression, because I was like, I didn't know the symptoms at all and I wasn't aware of anything. I didn't even think, it didn't even cross my mind that this could be postpartum depression. I just knew things were really hard after that second baby and I kind of just thought it was going to be like this for a while. I don't even know what I thought. I was just in it. I was surviving. Um, but this is why by the time I figured out it was postpartum depression, I literally had to have a friend drive me to the doctor. I was so, so unable to function and it hurts my heart to think that I wasn't able to get myself help sooner. And to I was, it, it hurts my heart that I was able to get to such a non-functioning deadened place with suicidal thoughts. Like I don't want humans to have to go to that place when the simple solution is to just be aware of the symptoms and start to recognize them and then make decisions to get help accordingly. Be the frog that jumps out of that water, right? But we have to know when life is boiling, (laughs) And when it's not normal that it's boiling, we we can't, we got to stop just thinking it's normal that life's super hard and we feel crappy and we're treating our kids crappy. And then our friends come over and we're like, Oh yeah, we're fine. (laughs) Hell no, you're not. And this isn't normal. So you can get help. All right. Number two, this is kind of a passion of mine. Make sure your diet is decent. I'm not here to harp on you and to talk to you about nutrition, but I do want to kind of talk about this, the back door, which is gut health. And I actually did read about this, um, a little bit with seasonal depression and I'm putting my own information in here too. So this goes for every postpartum mom, by the way, if you're listening to this episode out of curiosity and you don't feel like you're really seasonally depressed, but you might be struggling postpartum, um, or even if you just had a baby within the last year or two, or seriously just moms. Okay. Um, listen to me. If you're eating crappy foods and you know, if you are right? Like if you are eating cheese quesadillas because that's what the kids had for lunch, you're like, no, cheese quesadillas are good food. I know. Like, but every day when you're eating what the kids are eating, which sounds terrible, like that we're feeding our kids crap, (laughs) not necessarily. But what I'm saying here is that if you are just kind of making snacks for yourself and eating like a child all the time, that sounds so terrible. It sounds like I feed my kids really bad. I actually have been feeding them really great lately, but that's also because I've been making my own health and food a priority. So sometimes when the bar is set low for our kids, it tends to be also set low for ourselves and we are not um, feeding ourselves nutritious foods with the full color spectrum, right? You want to be eating the rainbow, but if you're eating mostly white and yellow, foods with like wheat or meat and not a lot of the fresh produce stuff. That's not helping you. And here are some things, and I, I don't pass judgment. Like I've been there. Okay. So first of all, just make more time for yourself <laughs> and buy yourself some pre-prepared mood uh, foods for a while, maybe like some salads that are ready to go. Even if they're more expensive, it's just for a bit while you're in the crazy. Okay. But here's what can happen. If you're constantly eating like that, that can affect your mood and your mental health. So number one, your gut lining and the walls of your gut, okay, your intestines, can actually get broken down over time. And um, things from your gut can then, worst case scenario, this doesn't typically happen, but it can, and it did happen to me, um, I believe, which it can, it can get into your bloodstream. So stuff from your food, literally like bits of food and particles can be floating around your body. So that's not good, right? And that can, um, <clears throat> for me, it was inflammation was the main thing i noticed in joint pain but also probably do a lot of other stuff i don't even know so that can happen and then before your gut actually leaks um what can happen is poor absorption so that just means that you won't be absorbing your foods well and that means that you could be eating the healthiest foods but if you're you're not going to be getting the nutrition from them and you're going to be getting less nutrition than you think you're getting and then you need to get And that can leave you with hormone and vitamin and other insufficiencies and imbalances, right? All that hard work of eating healthy for nothing. So if you want to learn more about gut health and mental health, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend a podcast called Revolution Health Radio with Chris Kresser, and he's a functional health guy. Um, I also love one called Essentially You by Dr. Maritza Snyder. So I will put these in the show notes to get you going. If you want to you know, kick up your health a notch and be learning more about that. And then I want to recommend a couple of supplements. If you feel like this might be happening to you, which by the way, make an appointment with a functional healthcare practitioner. Um, and the reason I say that is just because sometimes, um, mainstream doctors don't, I don't know, care as much about these things, but I could be very wrong there. are, I'm, you know, more and more, It just depends on the doctor truly. Um, whereas a functional health practitioner is not always as covered by insurance. So heads up there. Um, but I love it. I pay out of pocket gladly to see (laughs) a functional health care practitioner and I don't have to go see her very often, which is really great. Um, it's, it's very preventative usually. So, um, the, the supplements I wanted to mention though were, um, doTERRA. So, I used to work, I, I still do work with doTERRA essential oils and wellness supplements. Um, and they have two that are really good. So, there's a probiotic PB Assist, and which is a probiotic, and then Terrazyme, which helps you to absorb the nutrients in your food and break down your food more efficiently. So, if you're worried that this, this is happening, you can get either of those. Just contact me or go to doTERRA's website. If you have a friend, you can order through them. Um, and then, um, the second supplement that I tried and really loved, but it is intense. So doTERRA's, I, I mean, I do think they work, but I also feel like they were easier to get on and off of. Um, there's a company called Seed, which Chris Cresser recommends uh, and he recommended to me. So I tried it and there's a probiotic that they have. Uh, and I felt nauseous for like two days on and off getting on the probiotic because it's changing how much, bacteria. It's, it's basically just gut bombing in a good way, a ton of bac- good bacteria into your gut. And so it's a good thing, but it also is a pretty quick change and so it can kind of upset your stomach or what you think is your stomach, probably more like your gut for a bit. Um but then you know it's working, right? <laughs> um so I recommend the Seed Probiotic and you specifically get the female one for the microbiome. Um yeah, you just want to make sure if you're going to do a supplement for this that it's time released which usually looks like a double capsule, a double capsule so that it can make it through the stomach acid and still get delivered to your intestines. Okay. So that's the idea. Um, but yeah, good luck with those. I will put the, um, links to the show notes in, in the, in the whatever links to the supplements in the show notes. And then if you have any questions, though, feel free to DM me on Instagram or just email me Liz Linkston coaching. Okay.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? no necessary Void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
1: the number 3 strategy to get through and help your seasonal depression again with the gut health i don't want to i don't want you guys to underestimate that like most of us aren't aware of that but um when i was experiencing some mood stuff i remember seeing a functional healthcare practitioner and getting on some supplements and like wow it was such a difference specifically with my gut i tried supplements like general vitamin supplements and things, but um so many of our deficiencies start because our gut is imbalanced. And so we can take like a vitamin D or calcium all day, but if our gut isn't absorbing well and it's the bacteria setup isn't well or it's leaking into our body, like that's like the stuff the other supplements really aren't gonna do much. So you definitely want to make sure that you can rule out the gut stuff. <laughs> okay, and then the third strategy which is seriously going to be game changing. Um, if you have, are struggling and you have struggled with depression before, and you know, it's depressive depressiveness that you are experiencing is recognizing. And I shared this on Instagram, but recognizing that there are your thoughts in the depressiveness, which is like, I don't feel like eating right now. Okay. These are neutral thoughts. Like I don't want to go out right now. Um, I have like, I don't have energy to put my clothes on (laughs) versus, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want to go out? Oh my gosh, what are my friends going to think? Oh, I should be eating. If I'm not going to eat, then I might get sick or I'm not going to be able to handle the kids. I have to eat. Okay. So there's your thoughts like in the depressiveness, like the actual original thoughts. And then there's all that your brain does kind of kicks up dust around the depressiveness. And this is where I see a lot of the taking steps backwards and really not helping ourselves out. This is where most of us are not aware. We're not watching our thoughts about the depressiveness. And I have had to learn this because I told you I have had postpartum depression and anxiety twice after babies two and three. And then I've also just had this most recent seasonal depressive episode where, um, because of my good work, I've gradually gotten so much better at this. So this is kind of like graduate level stuff. Okay. <laughs> this is like, Um, something you probably will need help with from me, but it's still, I can at least draw your awareness to it so that you can separate out your actual thoughts in the depressiveness, like about your symptoms without attitude, without drama, without opinion. It's just like, oh, like observation, like, oh, I'm noticing I haven't had, I, I haven't wanted to have sex in six days. Like that's a relatively neutral statement. And then you've got like the guilt, like, Oh, I should, or the shock, like, Oh my gosh, is something wrong? Or the frustration, like, ah, but I love sex. Like I want it, you know, whatever it is. So those are the thoughts in it. And then thoughts about it. And this is seriously what saved me this last time. Like, um, because here's, I'll just share with you. When I first started noticing the depressiveness come on, um, it was like day two. So, it started on a Friday and then by Saturday I was like something's not right because it was sunny outside in between snowstorms and I didn't want to go out. Um and part of it was because I was super ready to go out on Friday night like we normally do. And again this was totally my thoughts about it. I don't think like the depressiveness happened so quickly. in just one day, I think I wasn't managing my mind around not being able to go on a date on our typical date night. It was snowing so badly. Like no sitter would have driven to our house. And I didn't know neither of us wanted to drive and pick them up. It just wasn't going to happen. And the kids were also just going to bed really late and kind of off schedule at that time. Cause we had just started homeschooling and I was like redoing everything. And, um, and, it, and that I wonders too, like with the homeschooling switch and then also the snowstorm. I wonder, and then also eating gluten on accident, <laughs> I wonder if it was just kind of like the perfect storm no pun intended in more than one way but regardless um like the first couple of days of my depressiveness and this is probably with with you guys like the, when you first aren't aware that it's happening you are having a lot more brain freak out is what I called it right like a dust storm in your brain and then once you start to recognize the symptoms that's why I say that's the first step you've got to get familiar with the symptoms and you start to organize okay this is depression, this is not, then you can actually work on whatever's within your power. Okay. So the thoughts about your depression are not necessarily the depression itself. Depression is not defined by thoughts other than just suicide or with postpartum depression, intrusive thoughts about harming your baby or harming yourself. And yet, um, and so it's just the symptoms that are the depression technically. And then again, besides what the thoughts that I just mentioned. And so the rest of it, when it comes to your thoughts, you can manage, And that's where I do a ton of work with my really depressed clients. Um, and also very anxious clients is we, the, like they want to get rid of the anxiety. They want to get rid of the depression if they're even at the point where they recognize that it's there. So that's where I want you guys is to try try to recognize that it's there. But, but what we always have to do first is clean up our thoughts about it and just get better at allowing it. And, um, and then also I teach you some strategies cause I just know lots of stuff. Okay. And then, so I hope that helps there's thoughts in it versus thoughts about it. And you've got to watch those carefully and separate the two and you can change and work on your thoughts about the depressiveness. And I encourage you to have very neutral thoughts about observing the depressiveness as it is. All right. And then step number four, and this is the last strategy we're going to talk about today, which is get creative with ways to get outside and interact with your winter. I'm like, Lizzie, I'm talking to you. <laughs> This is what I'm working on. Okay. So this is where my work currently is centered is proving my brain wrong that you just can't do all this fun stuff in winter, that there's nothing to do in winter, that you just have to wait till it passes. I can't wait till summer. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> Sorry desert dweller girl. <laughs> You're going to have to learn the hard way like everyone else. So I'm just reteaching myself how to play and have fun even in the winter months. It's something I've never had to do really. It's a new skill, especially with kids. This is definitely only the second time I've ever done this with kids. Last year was our first winter here um on our own living in this house. Before that, you know, I'd gone to BYU Idaho, I'd been in BYU Provo and Idaho and Provo, especially Rexburg. They've got a lot of wind, a lot of snowstorms, but I was dating and I had classes to go to and things to get me out of the house like and it was just so different. So, get creative with ways to get outside and interact in winter. Okay, I included one of my favorite um links to ideas to play in winter. It's from a blogger that is part of the called to homeschool podcast. So as you know, I've transitioned to homeschool homeschool, and I hired a coach to help me do that. Her name's Meg. She's one of the co-hosts of this podcast called to homeschool. homeschool. But anyway, I have the link to one of their show notes links on an episode about winter fun and winter activities, but I'm just going to share a few of the ideas right here. So the first thing is a winter nature study um, which, you know, you don't even have to go outside. You can be inside with the baby and you can send your kids out and they can, you can have them go look for specific things. And she has the whole rundown of how to do it and what you can look for in winter, um, in the link in the show notes. So there's also a snow tea party. What get your tea stuff out and fill it all with snow, put in little cinnamon sticks, have a snow tea party painting in the snow. You know, so getting a a bottle full of water, putting some food coloring in it, maybe a little salt, saline, whatever, and then go out there and spray paint the snow. How fun. Or in a controlled mess setting, you could bring it in like on a big cookie sheet and let them kind of do that. Painting the snow. Um, Fizzing snowman science. So we actually did this one. It was really, really fun and messy. So just a heads up, you got to kind of be prepared. But I just got a big uh, plastic covered table mat that I have for crafts Uh, over the kitchen table. I got cookie sheets and bowls for each child. And then just got out my huge, you know, Costco sized bag of baking soda and did half baking soda and just kept adding shaving cream until I had a nice, it was almost like a fun Play-Doh consistency. It was so cool. I definitely, if you're like a texture thing person, if you like playing with your child's kinetic sand or um, playing with Play-Doh or like a stress ball kind of relaxes you, this one will be fun for you too. Because the feel of the baking soda and shaving cream together is really fun. It feels really good. And then, um, so of course your kids can build cool little like little snowmen or whatever they want to build. You can put it in the fridge if you want to kind of preserve it. Or if they're done building and they just want to see a cool, fun explosion, you pour vinegar on their creations and they just go, they foam up and it's super fun. And they just keep foaming and keep foaming. So that kept my kids busy. Um, watching the snow melt. So bringing in some snow in a bowl, watching it melt, measuring how much snow there is. And then a couple hours later, how much water there is. There was a fun science experiment I found on nationalgeographickids.com, I think was the website. And um, I'll link it below, but it's really easy. You get an egg and you get vinegar and you put it all in a bowl and you let that egg sit in the vinegar for two days. So this one's like, you know, not going to fill a ton of time, but it'll be fun once it's done. And what the vinegar does is it breaks down the sort of, I don't know what it is, but the parts of the egg that keep it firm. And so the shell stays intact, but it's squishy. It's like a rubbery egg with a shell on it. It's kind of creepy, but you can do that as well. <laughs> and then last but not least, um, there's some winter printables that, um, are going to be at this called to homeschool link as well. So I'm going to post that in the show notes, but in conclusion, I just want to say from somebody who's doing this work on her own. That if winter is a bore for you, if maybe you're not even in seasonal depression, but you're kind of like, ugh, with the winter, first of all, heads up, it could get to the point of seasonal depression. If you don't start watching your thoughts. And then second of all, totally, if you are in the depressiveness that we've talked about and you're recognizing some of these symptoms in yourself, I just want you to know that you can coexist with depressive symptoms and not have it be like scary. You know what I'm starting to realize you guys is that depression and depressiveness, when you manage your mind around it it can just be like kind of a friend that comes and sits on your shoulder i want you to think um think inside out have you ever seen the movie inside out where the whole premise is that there's little people in your brain like disgust and fear these are each little people in your brain characters um joy sadness right and they kind of run the show in your brain so that's if you've never seen it go go watch inside out the soundtrack's really good too and it's totally fun for kids um but The reason I bring that one in is because in the movie, sadness just comes and like puts her hand on the core memories and turns them blue or, you know, or the way that sadness comforts the other people in the movie is just like, it's okay. I know. And she's just, first of all, funny, but also like it can be like sadness has just visited us for a bit and then she's going to leave. That's how I've come to see depression. And I used to just freak out about it and be like, oh my gosh. And that's when I even knew what it was. The very first thing I did is just suffer and suffer and suffer and think that it was normal. So that's my passion is that's where I try to educate and advocate for maternal mental health there. Uh, But once you're at that point and you know that you've experienced with depression, I think so much of the chit chat I hear in the community and like the hashtag of postpartum depression is like how scary it is and how bad it is. And I just want to tell you that that's all totally optional. And in fact, when you manage your mind, like I have around depressiveness, you come to realize that like, you can just coexist with it. And just, there's really not a whole lot that you have to do. You just adapt a few things, maybe tell a few friends. Um, if you've ever watched modern love, it's on Netflix. Anne Hathaway plays a bipolar girl who Hid the fact that she's bipolar from all these men that she's dating, but like doesn't show up for dates and can't get herself to get out the door and stuff like this. It's actually kind of sad sometimes to watch and be like, man, that would be so hard. But, um, it's also really inspiring how she gets to this point where she just decides not to have shame around it or freak out around it and to just tell a few people that she needs to tell and adapt her life a little bit and make space for it. And then it's like, fine. And she's able to move on. And so it's so interesting, like with depression, I want to teach so many of you guys who, if you know, you have it and are struggling, come talk to me. Cause I can help you learn to like, not freak out. And if you can do that with depression, think about any other circumstance in your life that comes up, you can do the same and you can handle it with so much more grace and ease. And you can be stronger than you could ever know. And I know you might be like, well, no, I just want the depression to be gone. Like, why would I want to know how to handle it? I don't ever want it to happen again, but friends, you still have a lot of years to live and it very well, very well could happen again. Or one of your children could experience depression. And so how amazing if a, you were able to totally recognize the symptoms like really quickly and get help before it gets really bad before a lot more help is needed. And then B help them realize how unscary it can be. If you can get your thoughts around it. Now I'm really talking to mild and moderate depressiveness. Okay, if you've got severe depression, um, whether it just the onset is just severe from the get-go, and it's just more suicidal, more crazy, whatever, or there's hallucinations or things like that, or if um, it's just been going on so long that it it is more severe, then of course I want you to go to your doctor. Maybe you need to go to an inpatient facility. Okay. So, um, or just walk yourself into the hospital if it's really scary, but I'm really talking about mild to moderate depression and more the beginnings of it. Um, and when we've just barely gotten like the, the most severe I take is when we've, we've thought suicidal thoughts, but we haven't idealized yet. We haven't, um, tried to plan out our suicide. So anytime before that, I am welcome to talk to you about it. Last but not least, I wanted to tell you guys that coming up in March, I've got a couple webinars that I'm brewing for you. So I'm going to be announcing those when they are ready to be announced. But in the meantime, if you want to get on my email list, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and also just follow me on Instagram and then you won't miss those. So you can register for them and get really good hour long free help on a couple topics that I feel are really important for you guys right now. Um, just with the clients that I've been seeing and just what I'm hearing on Instagram, I'm really going to try to make these powerhouse, um, events to serve you and they'll be totally free. So just make sure you're getting on my email email list so that you don't miss out on those. And also Instagram. All right. Talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye. Hey, Lizzie here. If you've been struggling and you're ready for more help, I want to invite you to book a consult with me. I offer free hour long consults where we go over what's not working your vision for the future of your motherhood and how I would help you given my tools and expertise. To schedule your free consult, visit my booking page at go.oncehub.com forward slash Lizzie Langston. I fully believe that you can get to where you want to go. I'll see you on the consult.